0: Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Stefan Schnugel, as he brings a message on a Sunday service. And uh, I should say that in many respects, I'm really just bringing a short message of what we've already sung. Because these songs that we sung here tonight, these carols, these truths have, have already been built in. So I'm in some respects doubling up, uh, uh, but it is still good to reiterate some of these things. You know, at Christmas time, of course, we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And actually, the, the title for this message, as brief as what it, what it is, is that a king has been born. Sometimes people don't realize that when they're talking about baby Jesus, the baby Jesus didn't stay baby Jesus. He grew up, and he was actually born a king. And, uh, and for many of you, this is just a message will be a reminder for what you already know, but perhaps uh, if others are not entirely sure, hopefully this message will help you tonight. So the first point I want to make is, basically to bring up some prophetic announcements of the birth and uh, kingship of Jesus Christ. And I'm reading from the book of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah the prophet had a revelation 700 years before it actually took place. And I'm reading from Isaiah 9 verse 6 and he says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting So as I said earlier on, this is a prophecy concerning the birth of Jesus Christ and and one of several functions that he would fulfill. That after he is been born, and that was spoken 700 years before it finally took place. And of course, we know that Jesus Christ was born approximately 2,000 years ago. Many people don't realize uh, that Jesus actually split, uh, sp- split history in half. We got B.C., we're counting the years in B.C., meaning before Christ, and then after his birth, we're counting the years in A.D., which means Anno Domini, which means the year of the Lord. All right, you talk about significant person and with significant influence, even right on that point alone, let alone all the other things that we see in the Word of God. One of the first things that we see here when it speaks about uh, that uh, the child was born, the son was given, the very first thing it says was that the government will be upon his shoulder. So that means that he will hold, he will have, and he will carry great authority and great dominion, and uh, that's why I say that sometimes people get people get a little bit gooey over baby Jesus at Christmas time, and they're looking into a uh, uh, some sort of a manger setup, and they're looking in, looking at baby Jesus, uh, and get all gooey over it. But really, they don't realize here's a king, all right, that's been born, and uh, of course, as we said, Jesus didn't stay a baby; he grew up. Uh, and he is a king today Uh, of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end Uh, in other words it'll be ongoing but not just ongoing in time but when it speaks about that there will be no end it means there's no boundary you see the kingdom of jesus christ is boundaryless and limitless there are no boundaries. You know, nations usually have boundaries around them, and then we've got different other nations. But the kingdom of Jesus Christ, once it is fully set up, there will be no boundary. It will be endless, and it will be borderless. And it speaks there about the throne of David that Jesus will sit on, it says, and over his kingdom. And uh, a kingdom is the king's domain. Jesus Christ is the king, and the domain is his kingdom, and that will be borderless, boundless, and limited. And he will sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem throne of David that was established way back uh, uh, some 1,500, 2,000 years ago when King David was king um, and the the throne is still in a sense there and Jesus will sit on that throne uh, and eventually he will rule over the nation of Israel and indeed over the people that live on the earth at that particular time. You see since the resurrection of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago Jesus Christ has become king uh, already uh, over his spiritual kingdom and if you're born again you and i we are in that kingdom it is a spiritual kingdom but the day will come when jesus christ will literally physically return to this earth and set up a literal physical kingdom and the capital will be in jerusalem all right and there will be no other other boundaries because uh, his kingdom will encompass uh the whole world and everybody that lives in it at that particular time. Book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. Here's another prophet that's prophesying. He says, but as for you, uh, uh, Bethlehem, Epiphra, he says, seemingly insignificant among all the clans of Judah. From you a king will emerge who will rule over Israel on my behalf, one whose origins is of The distant past. So here, Prophet Micah is prophesying the birth of Jesus Christ uh, in the village of Bethlehem, and he says that Jesus Christ will be the future king of Israel. He's not right now. Israel as a nation is a democracy, but it'll be a monarchy uh, one day, and it'll be part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ that will encompass the whole world. and of course, uh, again, this prophecy here will be fulfilled during a time period that will begin at the second coming of Jesus Christ. We call it the millennial reign of Christ because initially Christ will reign for 1,000 years. Uh, then there will be a brief upheaval going on, and the book of Revelation speaks about that. And we certainly haven't got time to get into the detail now. But uh, at that time, uh, when Jesus rules and la- reigns, all the nations of the world, all the people groups, all the ethnicities, every person alive at that time will become subservient to Jesus Christ because he's the king. Alright? Uh, Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 17 it says, and at that time the city of Jerusalem will be called the Lord's throne. All nations will gather there in Jerusalem to honor the Lord's name. Why don't you shout out all nations, all right? All nations will bow to Jesus and come and honor the Lord in that particular city. And I want to just, this is prophetic utterance, and I want to now look at the Gospels, very quickly bring up a couple of uh, Scripture passages where the angel came to Virgin Mary to announce the birth to her. Uh, And this is in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 saying in the sixth month uh, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph." of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, "Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women." But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, "Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, And he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. All right, so here it is again. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. And again, the phrases that we find in here really uh, uh, communicates uh, the same thing that the prophets have communicated back in the Old Testament. It's now finally happening. He said, "You will conceive in your womb. You will bring forth a son, and call his name Jesus." And it says, "He will be great." All right. It says he will be called the son of the highest or the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Um, And he will reign over the house of Jacob. This is basically speaking of Israel as a nation. And it says of his kingdom, there will be no end. Again, it will be borderless. It will be all encompassing. It will be limitless. So to speak. And then in Luke chapter 2 verse 8. It goes on to say, There were in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. The Lord, and this will be a sign to you: you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace and goodwill to men." What a fantastic! Uh, announcement uh, that the angel made um, and uh, of course he said to them that he's bringing good news of great joy so there's a kind of a double up it's good news and it's great joy and uh, after multiple prophecies given centuries earlier finally the time had come for Jesus Christ to be born the prophets prophesied about it and once the prophets have prophesied under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit God will bring it to pass and now getting ready to bring it to pass. And, of course, we look back now 2,000 years ago, and we know it's happened. <laughs> All right? and uh, But notice before the angel speaks of baby Jesus, he tells them about Christ the Lord. This is kind of a sense that I want us to really lay a hold of tonight. He uh, um, says, There is born to you this day in the city of David uh, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then he says, you will find a baby. So he speaks of Christ the Lord before he speaks of Christ the baby. And uh, you see, the angel speaks of two features here uh, of Jesus Christ. One is Savior, and the other one is Lord. The Savior is Christ the Lord. And here's the deal, friends. What many people do not realize, if we do not accept and receive Jesus as Lord... We cannot access his saviorship, because it is Christ the Lord that wants to save us. It's not Christ the baby, all right. And in First Peter chapter one, verse 11, he says, "You will receive a rich welcome into the kingdom that lasts forever. It is the kingdom of our Lord and Savior." Jesus Christ. Again, here it is of our Lord and Savior. Lord first and then Savior. In fact, Peter, uh, the apostle, mentioned that phrase several times over. And every time he speaks about Christ as Lord and Savior, he always puts Lord first and he puts Savior last. And I think that is important for us to lay a hold of. And of course, Jesus Christ, and all of that, I'm speaking a little bit fast. Uh, and I know it's easy because if I speak fast and you listen fast, we're going to be just fine. And we will get to our supper uh, very, very shortly. But Jesus Christ stood before Pilate. You know, he's now born, and some 33 years later, uh, the time had come for him to lay down his life. He says, no man takes my life from me. He says, I lay down and I will pick it up again. And now he's standing before Pilate, accused by the Jews of all sorts of things. And Pilate, uh, the Bible speaks of Pilate's wife that she had a dream and she said to Pilate, to her husband, she says, have nothing to do with this man, be condemning this man. Well, anyway, he tried to set him free, but the Jews really stirred him up and stirred up the crowd. So in the end, he decided to go along with their game of having, him, having condemned him to death. But he says, I wash my hands uh, of, the, of, the, of the guilt of, of, of condemning this man. And he put it back on, on the Jewish people, so to speak. But somehow it seems to me that he was a bit of a weak spine sort of a guy because he knew that Jesus had, done nothing wrong. Yet he went along with this whole deal. Uh, But just before he condemned him, (coughs) he's talking with Jesus. And here in John 18, verse 36, it says, Jesus answered, he says, my kingdom, my kingship, my royal power belongs not to to this world, if my kingdom were of this world, my followers would have been fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here, from this world, it has no such origin or source. And Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. And Jesus answered, You said, uh, He said, 'You say it, you speak correctly, for I am a king, certainly.' I am a king. This is why I was born, and this is why I've come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, who is a friend of the truth, and who belongs to the truth hears and listens to my voice. And so here is that whole deal where the prophets spoke about the king coming. And then some 700 years later, the angel came to Mary and said, Look, you're going to give birth, and he will be a king. And now Pilate is questioning Jesus. He says, Are you a king then? And Jesus says, That's right. He says, You said it correctly. I am a king. And, uh, of course, when Jesus Christ will return to the earth, he will be the king over Israel and over the whole world. The second coming of Jesus Christ is a very well-established fact in the Bible, particularly, obviously, in the New Testament. It speaks about it and as well as in the Old Testament. And uh, it seems to me that a greater portion of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not fully aware that Jesus Christ hasn't just come once, He will come again. And you and I need to be ready. All right? We need to be totally ready for that. You see, friends, and I'm wrapping up very, very shortly, but there are only two spiritual kingdoms in existence, and they coexist, they are, side by side, two spiritual kingdoms. In Colossians chapter 1, which is the writings of Apostle Paul, as he speaks under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and in chapter 1, verse 13, he says, For God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, And transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Two spiritual kingdoms, all right? They coexist side by side. Uh, There's the kingdom of darkness and then the kingdom of light. Everything and everybody that's in the kingdom of darkness will eventually end up in hell. And everybody that's in the kingdom of of light will end up in the presence of God and in the presence of Jesus Christ, serving the Lord throughout eternity. So two kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness is ruled by Satan. And the kingdom of light, or the kingdom of God's dear son, is ruled by King Jesus. All right. And the deal is this, friends. The Bible teaches us that every human being has been born automatically into the kingdom of darkness. And not because anybody has done anything wrong at that point, that's just how it is. And that whole thing goes right back in the Garden of Edom. And Adam and Eve disobeyed God and rebelled against God and all of their descendants. And in case you're unsure as to who you're 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 you know where you've come from, you you and I we've all come from Adam and Eve. We have not evolved. We have not evoluted there's no such thing. All right. We've all come down from that line. And every human being has been born into the kingdom of darkness. And the only way to get out is through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. And what struck me one day after having read that scripture, heard it preached multiple times, uh, that Jesus did not say, I am a way. He says, I'm the way. He didn't say, I'm a truth. He says, I'm the truth. And he didn't say, I'm a life. He says, I'm the life. All right? Because people say, well, you know, let's all be friendly with one another. You know, you got your truth. I got my truth. You know, you got your religion. I got my religion. It's not about religion. It's about Jesus Christ and a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This is where the devil has managed to mangle things up and to confuse things by turning things into a religion. And then it's all about rules and rituals and regulations rather than about a living relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Is everybody right tonight? Okay. Praise God. So to get out of the kingdom of darkness and to get into the kingdom of Jesus Christ we must be born again. How many of you would say that you're born again and you know it? All right? The greater part, all right? If you're not born again, this is not about me giving you a hard time and this is not something that we've made up. This is something that we see in the written word of God and we would strongly encourage you and strongly urge you don't let the day finish before you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You see, one of the reasons why we have an outline, which is basically a written sort of set of notes for, uh, you know, that short message. And I keep on saying short, and I'm still speaking, but we will be done very soon. All right. But at the end, towards the end of this uh, outline here, there is what we call a salvation prayer. Sometimes we call it a sinner's prayer. And uh, there's different names for it. The prayer is, is not fancy or magic words, but it helps people. People say, well, what do I say? If I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, what do I say? Well, that's what that prayer is in that outline for. So if you need to pray this prayer, because for those of us that are born again, we've prayed that kind of prayer, a similar prayer. It's not exactly the same words, but it's a similar prayer. And it, it needs to contain certain important parts That, you know, the Bible says, repent. (laughs) Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, of course, we emphasize the word surrender our life to Jesus Christ because surrender is to submit ourselves to somebody else's authority and that somebody else is Jesus Christ himself. So that prayer is there. Strongly encourage you to, if you haven't already prayed this prayer, Pray before you go to sleep tonight. In fact, if you can pray sooner, that would even be better. Because the reality is when people lie down, nobody's really guaranteed tomorrow. There's not really an absolute guarantee for everybody that for them there will be a tomorrow tomorrow. And there's been stories told where Charles Finney and some of the old revivalist preachers, uh, they've preached in different places and, uh, and, uh, and uh, preached for several nights uh, and, uh, and, and, and preached this truth that we're discussing here tonight, but never gave them the prayer until the second or third night. And in one particular revival, there was a fire in the city and a lot of people died. And even though people came under that sense of, oh, gosh, I got to do something here, they didn't know what to do. And sadly, some of those people would have not made it to heaven. If the Bible is true, if the Bible is true, and I firmly believe, and many of us firmly believe that it is, these truths are not anything to be trifled with and to be played around with. All right. Uh, So I'd really, really encourage you to pray this prayer. And we call it salvation prayer because people are lost and then they pray the prayer. As soon as they finish that prayer, then they're saved. Now they have salvation. We call it the sinner's prayer because they were a sinner before they prayed it. Then they prayed the prayer and it will take all of 20 seconds, if that. By the time they get to the end of the prayer, if they prayed that prayer from the very bottom of their hearts in all sincerity... They were a sinner, and now immediately they are a saint. All right? Whereby the power of the Holy Spirit, God reaches into the kingdom of darkness, yanks us out, and places us into the kingdom of his dear son, and his name is... Is Jesus Christ. We are then born again. How awesome is that? And that's exactly exactly what it speaks about here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He says, For God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. All right. We can't work our way into heaven. We most certainly could not pay our way into heaven. In fact, there's nothing we can do to get into heaven other than ask God to forgive us and surrender our life to Jesus Christ. Let me finish with this scripture here in John chapter 3, verse 3 and also in verse 7. Jesus speaking to a religious man one day who was all caught up in religion and rituals and rules and regulations. And he came to Jesus one day and he says, He says, Rabbi, he says, we know that you're of God because no man can do those miracles that you do. And Jesus cut right through this thing. He knew exactly what the guy was trying to say. So he's sort of just trying to warm Jesus up, as it were, and to lead into another conversation. And Jesus answered and said to him in verse 3, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. In verse 7, he says, Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. All right. And one of the things that we are praying for consistently for spiritually lost people, that that truth become revelation in their hearts, and uh, that they will finally make that step, rather than hoping they will one day get into heaven, that they will take this thing, take it to heart, and say this prayer, and are resolved in their own hearts that they will surrender their own life to Jesus Christ. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.